When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. I'm Bob Wankel. And the dust has finally settled on the 2023 baseball season. Your Texas Rangers are World Series champions. Go crazy, folks. Uh, Anthony, uh, I, I know that you said you would still watch the World Series. Uh, you might have been the only person in the Delaware Valley if you actually made good on that promise I, I want to start the show talking about two separate things here. One, did you have any big takeaways from the World Series? Could anything be learned from it? And then, I guess, two, now that we're a little bit further removed from this Phillies debacle, and I'm sticking to that take. I called it a choke job, and I'm sticking to the fact that I think yeah. it was a choke job. You know, I saw some people out there, and then I'll let you take the floor and, and do with it as you may, but... I saw some people say it wasn't a choke job. Like, you know, we throw that term around way too much. That's unfair characterization of what happened. And uh, I agree that we do throw it around way too much. And that a lot of times losses in sports aren't choke jobs. I thought this was a choke job. I did. I uh, I think that it's exactly what a choke job looks like. Guys continually swinging at pitches outside of the strike zone for two consecutive nights, trying to do too much, not being in the moment, not being able to bear down and execute in the moment. That's a choke job. And that's what I think happened. So anyway, let's kick it over to you and get your thoughts. Yeah, so your first question is, did I watch the World Series? What did I do? I any takeaways from it? I, I did watch some of it. I did not watch every game. I did not tune in for uh, especially Game 5. I was really not there, I, although I did listen to the last out on the radio, uh, on MLB Network Radio in the car. Um, just because when I had left the Flyers game, it was one to nothing going into the ninth inning. I'm like, oh, this is at least interesting enough to listen to it, right? And then, you know... The, the error happens and the top of the ninth blows up. I'm like, well, this is great. So um, any takeaways I had from it were that t- what Texas did well was they took a lesson from the Phillies against this Arizona team. And it, the lesson was make them throw strikes. These pitchers are not that good. And they pounded the hell out of the Arizona Diamondbacks pitchers especially the bullpen yeah that's and that was to me the biggest takeaway it was like if you watched it if any philadelphia fan watched it you had to get more frustrated because you saw the real warts of the arizona diamondbacks that the phillies should have easily exploited and didn't so that was the takeaway that the biggest takeaway i had we talked about it going into that Diamondback series. Like, where's the vulnerability here? They only won 84 games. They're on this magical ride. That's great. But let's be honest, they have their limitations. And you circle the bullpen. And they had yeah. some pieces. Like, those guys threw the ball at times pretty well against the Phillies. But just the level of dominance that they were able to achieve and, and the level that they were able to execute at, especially late in the series, was just baffling. Because those guys just are not 
they are not those dudes. And then to turn around and see what Texas did, which is essentially just rip them apart, especially like Paul Seawold. Like, again, like you see what he is. You see what a lot of those guys are. And I did find that to be somewhat frustrating as the series played out. And the other big takeaway for me is that, you know, I don't I don't want to turn this into a negative or like a, a, a criticism of Trey Turner, because I think Trey Turner did well to rebound down the stretch. And, you know, certainly he helps the Phillies get to the NLCS and put them on the brink. But hey, he's a silver slugger finalist, Bob. Yeah. See, Corey Seager, like that's what that's what the Phillies, I think, were hoping to get in yeah. Trey Turner. And, yes. you know, Trey Turner could ultimately be Corey Seager. Uh, I don't think he will be. I think that there's pitch recognition and and patience and just the approach is so much more consistent and patient and refined and advanced. But like, if I'm going to come on here and I give you like a one little salty take, like you pay $300 million for a shortstop. Like that's the player that you should have gotten. Not what Trey Turner gave you. Yeah. I, well, I agree. And that's a, that's a certain, and I think that's a lot of what what I was trying to say is that if you look at their approaches, every every batter that Texas had did exactly what the Phillies didn't do against right. Arizona. I mean, it was just it, you know, other than Game Five, and again, I only was I was at the Flyers, and you know, we had it. We're up in the sports book at at the top of the building, and so you know, we're watching the Flyers game while it's happening. But there's all all the screens are right there. Right, with us. And so, you know, I, I was trying to keep one eyeball on the game. And Gall, I know Gallon pitched a – he was, had a no-hitter going there for a while. Um, with the exception of that, though, I really felt that Texas just did everything right against Arizona's pitching. Not to mention, Bob, and this is where I – rarely do I agree with my Snow the Goalie host, Russ, co-host Russ Joy. But you're throwing a bullpen game in the World Series – I mean, you don't have another starter that you can throw that you got to throw a bullpen game in the World Series. I mean, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. I don't know. I, I, sport, I, I mean, you know, the Phillies would have done the same thing essentially had they gotten there. They would have thrown Christopher Sanchez, who is by definition a starting pitcher, but he would have given them seven outs. And yeah, I mean, look, I, I at least in that case, it's like, all right, they're throwing a starter and he's got a quick hook. Right, because if he's pitching well, they're not gonna. They may not pull him, right? They may let him go if he's pitching well. So, yes, I. But I have a problem with. I just have a problem with it in general. I, I don't know. I was just. Uh, it's it was just something amazing. I'd like to see the the sport actually correct. And I know that it's it's easier said than done. But I would be interested in seeing the league, in some way, uh, deter the the over usage of bullpens. Like I, I know yeah. it's been said, you know, and, and the league has sort of acknowledged to some extent, like it would be better if we could reprioritize starting pitching. And like I am very much a proponent of that. I um I I if if these are the rules and, and you can work within the, the context of the rules then and you think that it gives you the best chance to win, like then you have to do it. If if you map it out and you think a bullpen game is the way to go, then so be it. But I would just like to see the game get to back to a point where that is not the most palatable option. Um, and maybe you do that by re- reducing uh, the amount of you know pitchers that you can carry. Uh, again, though, like there are consequences to that. You know, they'll argue the player association will argue about injuries, and there's just so much that goes into it. But to your point, and for the purposes of this show, 
I I do agree with you that it's just not. I don't find it to be particularly compelling. Hey, it's Joe Mantiply for three outs. Like, come on. You know, I. Just... I mean, you know, it 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 kind of takes away. You know, baseball had this big push this year for we're going to bring all the fans back. Like, the, yeah. the fans are going to come roaring back because of all the changes that we've made. And one of the things that got used to get people excited for World Series games or any really, really any playoff game, but especially in the World Series, was you talked about that night's pitching matchup. Yeah. Right? I mean, and that's... It's my guy versus your guy. Let's yes, go. Not let's it's go. my guy versus seven of your guys to record, <laughs> you know, eight yes. outs. And, yeah. and, 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 you, and it, I think drama. it I think it impacts the excitement for the game. Yeah. I mean, it's a two one series at that point. Like that should be game four is often the game that that swings a, a seven game series. And there should be a lot of excitement going into game four. And you looked at it and said, yeah, they're going to throw seven different pitchers. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. <laughs> there was no, there's no juice for that. Yeah. So that's why I have a, that's why I have a problem with it. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to tell teams what they can do and can't do strategically. I mean, I get it, but man, there's got to be, a, there's, the league's got to figure out something. Well, the other thing, and, and probably my only other thought on the World Series, is I saw a lot of people, and I know that we had referenced, if if this is the matchup, good luck with the ratings. And uh, certainly the ratings were absolutely dreadful, and that's not a surprise. I, I didn't take comfort in that, though, the way that it seemed like a lot of people on Twitter did. Like, ha-ha, like, yeah, the Phillies aren't in it, but sucks to suck, MLB. Nice ratings. Like, that didn't make me feel any better. No. Like, I'm not going to look back on the 2023 season and say, oh, yeah. I know the Phillies didn't get it done, but man, those World Series ratings, baseball got what it deserved. It's not baseball's fault that the Phillies fell apart in game no. six. And, and look, let's be honest, Bob. Even if the Phillies got in, all right, they may not have been all time low ratings, Would but they were they weren't gonna be fantastic. Wow. I mean it's, there was I mean, yes, the Phillies started to get a little bit of a cute national story this year with the home field advantage stuff and everything else. So maybe, you know, that Red October carries a little bit of juice nationally, but no. Well, I think that they I, checked I in, really in at, the it. average was like a, a little over 11 last year for Phillies Astros. Yeah. I think that this one checked in at like 88. Yeah. Maybe like 10, 10 and a half yeah, is probably, probably what the Phillies give you. you yeah. Know? I, I think yeah. that that's probably, you know, that's, that's probably where it lands. So, yeah, I mean, that's the World Series. That's the 2023 season. We've collectively made a decision not to sit here and give you our grades for individual positional groups and players. And, hey, here's a guy that, that pitched one game, and I'm going to give him a, a D. Um, I'm, you know. <laughs> At least we know he pitched one game. Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, I guess that's cool. <laughs> um, no, but, but there is a couple of stories, Bob, that have been brewing already, um, maybe not necessarily by local media outlets, but more on a national level. Um, that affect the Phillies and impact the Phillies. And I think that they're both worth bringing up here because they're probably going to be discussion topics as the offseason goes along. You know, and I know the old saying is, you know, what do you do when baseball season's over while well, you just stare out the window and wait until spring, right? Um, there's going to be some stuff to talk about, I think, this offseason with the Phillies, obviously with a couple of big-name free agents and what, what happens with them. But more, you know, there's even some 
discussion in-house about players that we know are going to still be here and do they get new contracts. So let's start at the, with the one that I think everybody's more aware of at the moment, and that's Aaron Nola. We all saw stories written about him um, everywhere. You know, will he or, or won't he come back? The Phillies are, in, you know, made, talked about him being top priority. Dave Dombrowski at his end-of-season press conference basically said they want to re-sign Nola. He's priority number one. The Athletic did a um, a story a couple days ago where they ranked all the free agents. Uh, they did one day they did hitters, the next day they did pitchers. And they identified Nola as the top salary current major leaguer. There was a Japanese pitcher who they suggested was, could get a little bit more money than Nola. But Nola, they said the expected salary for him or expected contract, six years $180 million. It's $30 million a year. That's about what we thought all along. I mean, if we go back when we first started discussing this back in the season, you know, you had Nola one and 200 million, probably would settle at 30 million a year. Do you give him six years? It's 180 million. That's exactly what we've been saying. Do they do it? Do they go six years, 180? And that's that's the big question because I think that that's probably the neighborhood of where he's going to be. Well, before I answer that question and we kind of work through the ramifications of not doing the deal, um, let me let me just kind of uh, get into two other things real quick on Aaron Nola. I guess, one, um, you had referenced uh, in our last show that you had had a conversation. Uh, you, you kind of were sort of led to – not led to believe, but you came away from that conversation just with this overall sense that, like, you know, and I, I want you to speak to that real quick. But yeah. on top of that, it, since then, obviously, Dave Dombrowski has come out and said this is the number one priority. And if I'm being honest with you, I was a little bit surprised by that messaging. I, I guess if you would have forced me to guess what was going to happen here after that last out and being in the locker room after the game, I would have said, like, man, this sort of feels like the end. I guess I'm a little bit surprised that the Phillies came out and publicly said like, yeah, like we're going to make him our target because when you do that, if you don't sign the player and you know, he's a pretty good guy. So you're not going to be able to turn around and like do like the, the Sixers James Harden thing where you turn him into a villain and that's why he's not here anymore. Right. So when you make that statement, I feel like it sort of creates a little bit of extra pressure. I think previously people would have maybe understood if things don't work out with him, but when you do that, you're like, well, then you better go get him, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I'm now, what I don't like doing is I don't like to be a flip-flopper, right? Mm-hmm. I like to have an opinion and, and stick to it. And I feel like I'm going back and forth with this now because mm-hmm. all along, and again, I, I urge people go back and listen to previous episodes. I, I felt during the season that they were going to be in on Nola and they wanted to bring him back. Really got that sense all year long. Then, like you said, I I asked him that question uh, about, you know, if he could write a new chapter to his Players' Tribune story four years later about, you know, what his career has been like as this, you know, Louisiana kid trying to make his way in the big city of Philadelphia. I really got the sense by his response and his reaction and, and seeing the emotion on his face that... Yeah, he's he thinks he's going away, and and I'm, and I'll throw one other little detail in that I think I only told you I didn't say on the on the um, on the pod, but during that time when we were down there in that locker room and you were there there too and you saw I think you saw some of it, 
Dave Dombrowski walked into the locker room while we were all interviewing all the guys, and, and he was going from player to player, you know, and thanking them for the year. And a lot of guys, there were like hugs and a, and a big, you know, uh, you know, a, a little whisper in the ear kind of thing and whatever else. He came over to Nola, tapped him on the shoulder, they shook hands, they just did a little nod at each other, and then he walked away. And I felt it was a little cold, too. So, like, the whole thing, I'm putting that whole, you know, putting that hat on, like, okay, what does all this mean? Try and interpret it, right? And it's and to me, it came across as, I just don't see it. I don't see this relationship. I, and I think that is going to walk and go somewhere else. And then two days later, Dombrowski comes out and says he's priority number one. Mm-hmm. And I understand why. I mean, because their whole pitching plan blew up back in March, and it got worse as the season went along because the the other young players in the system didn't progress well enough. So I get it. I understand why that situation is what it is, and the the free agency market has thinned, and Noel is the top target now, or probably of of major league pitchers. Even though Blake Snell is a Cy Young candidate, I think Noel is still because of his durability, is, is still more, you know, a bigger target. I get it. But now I don't know what to think, Bob. I don't know. And that's why I asked you the question, do they do it? Do they sign him to a six-year, $180 million contract? Because that's probably what it's going to take. Right. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm sort of with you on the flip-flopping element of it. Um, I think the, what, what has happened here, though, is, is two things. And I think that it's important to, to kind of note this. He was excellent down the stretch. Like he showed again that he he can do this. So if there were thoughts that, oh man, maybe he's actually cooked, or maybe he just mentally just can't overcome the pitch clock, or like he doesn't have the the wherewithal to just be what we want him to be, I think that he mostly silenced those concerns. And I do think that that matters. Like you're not going to give a guy a six year contract because he went out and threw five or six really good games, right? Like. Right. You can't make your decision on that alone, but I do think that you're, you know, that he has these tools, you know, that he has this ability and you kind of do want to be assured that he has the ability to unlock that again. And yeah. so when you see him throw the way that he did and kind of help them get to where they got to, I know it didn't end well. And I know that the last start in particular was a little bit disappointing, but again, like I do think that that sort of eases a little bit of the concern. And then the, the more important thing and, and, I think what this really boils down to is you have a, a year, I think, really with this group to do it. Like, this is this is kind of it. If you're going to keep Castellanos and you don't make a move, and we can talk about that at some point because I do think that they might at least – I'm not going to say they're going to go out and shop them, but I do think that they might have some conversations just to see how do you turn this roster over? Is there yeah. any flexibility? So if you have Castellanos back, you have Schwarber back, Harper's in the prime right now, Real Muto's not getting any younger. Like you, Everyone listening to the show knows the deal here. So you can't go into next season with Zach Wheeler, question mark, Ranger Suarez, Christopher Sanchez, Taiwan Walker. Like that's, that's not good enough. And if you don't bring back Nola, who are you going to replace him with? And – not having Andrew Painter, who I think you would have figured by the time 2024 rolled around, even if he was going to be put on an innings restriction this year, they were going to be conservative with his usage. If he is what they think he is, then see you later, Aaron. We've got a, a young stud that we can really slot in there and let rip. Yeah. But with him out of the picture now, you might have to pay for six years to fill really what comes down to a one-year void, you know? And 
because if you don't, Blake Snell's not the answer, right? Like right. these other free agent options are unlikely to be the answer. Although I do want to give you one name in a minute, which is kind of interesting. You're going to have to go out and make a trade. Like we keep talking about the Brewers and, hey, look at all these young pitchers that they have that are about to hit expiring contracts after this season. They're not going to pay them all. They might as well get rid of one of them now and get something for it. Like I do think there's an opportunity in there. But if you don't have to deplete your farm system, if you don't have to trade either major league level ready players or dip into your your lower level prospects with some upside, you don't want to do it. So do you just take take the guy you know, throw the money at him, and roll from there? And I think that that's what they got to figure out. Yeah, uh, I, I, go ahead. It, it, well, no, and I think you're right, and and I think that that's where the they're they're got they've got to like buckle down and say, are we willing to? We may not have been willing to go this far in March. Are we willing to go this far now? Yeah, things have changed. The urgency yeah. has changed. The being right on the doorstep of a title and not getting there, and then making that big of a subtraction, it it could be huge. Yeah. And you know, the only other thing is, and I talked to a couple different people, and, and someone did point out, like, you do have you do have Sonny Gray, right? Yeah. Who is a free agent. And, you know, it did not work for him in a big market previously. And th- I've, I've talked to some people that, that think he's a pretty good pitcher, but you, they said to me, like, if you think that you're nervous about Aaron Nola in a game six late in the postseason, get ready for that because yeah. you're going to have the same concerns. But one of the uh, points that was made to me was that there's a pretty strong relationship between Caleb Cotham and and Sonny Gray. Like these guys are friends. Like they're they're tight. Um, you know, could that play in? Did the Phillies say like, you know, does does Caleb Cotham kind of like lead the charge and say like, I know this guy. Like this is my dude. Like let's get him here. Like let's let's do this. I don't know. Um, well, what do you think Sonny Gray gets? I think he's. Well, he's 33 years old right now. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's probably a, a four-year guy. Um, maybe 20. I'll say four and 80. I'm going to I'm gonna find I, I, if I let me just get Yeah, you go second. ahead and pull that up. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. like when you're talking about do, do I – would I be interested in paying a guy $20 million a year going into his age 38 season? No. So that's why I kind of settle at four years. I mean, he, he was good enough and productive enough this past season that I think he warrants a legitimate contract. But it, it, he's he's not a 30. I mean, I wouldn't go anywhere near 30, 25 even for him. Yeah, and now I'm trying to now I'm trying to find wh- where the, the – But I'll, as, as I let you kind of try to pull that up, I will just say this to answer your question. Do I think he will be back? I guess I do right now just because of – probably the fact that he wants to be here and the Phillies have that need and have come out and said, yeah, we, we are prioritizing him. The fact that the Philadelphia Phillies with the wallets that they have um, and the aggressiveness with which they operate, it's just hard for me to believe that they would let him walk. And, you know, after coming out and making that proclamation. Yeah. And I can't find the actual story. I found Keith Law's story where they rank Sonny Gray as the, uh, the fifth, best free agent and, 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 and you know one other thing with Sonny Gray like and again good season but like yeah that's a, that's a downgrade and and this kind of comes back to one of the things that that I sort of wanted to talk about in this show but I think it's going to be the the kind of continuing theme of our offseason here it's you finished 14 games behind the Atlanta Braves you again had an opportunity to win a World Series and you didn't how do you continue to bridge that gap? Because I said it, and I was wrong last year. At the beginning of the season, I said, this is not a sustainable formula. 
Like you can't just continue to finish three weeks behind a team and expect to win a World Series. Well, yeah, I, I still believe that in my heart, but I will concede that this team has a unique ability to make that stuff not matter. So I just don't – I don't know that subtracting Aaron Nola and then bringing in the fifth best starting pitcher in the free agent class is really going to help you well, that's the thing. that final step. Like how do you improve from Nola? Like how do you improve it? Like if you're not going to sign him, what what do you bring in that makes you better? You, you probably improve on Aaron Nola – 2023 Aaron Nola by re-signing Aaron Nola because I don't think that he has that season again I think that that's really the one guy that you can bring in that gives you an upgrade over what he gave you last year which sounds ridiculous uh but I I I believe that I mean if they really wanted to get serious you'd probably bring back Nola and then go out and sign one of these other guys on top of it well that's what I was that's where I was trying to get to if he has that great of a relationship with Sonny Gray can you bring in both yeah you know and that's that's a question because then you know we we Obviously, you have a ton of trust in what Ranger Suarez does in the postseason. But like, go look at Ranger Suarez's year. Like, he wasn't he wasn't thirty two starts at a three one zero ERA this year. Like, you know, he's a guy that you you trust in big spots and you feel really good about keeping him as part of things. But if I can slide him back now a step, and now he's your four, and then you have this depth piece in Sanchez and Walker, and let them figure it out. Like, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to commit that type of free agent money and that type of spend, especially with probably wanting to bring back Wheeler beyond this year. Uh, you're going to have to address that. You will get Andrew Painter back at some point. Uh, and I think that he's still very much a big part of what they plan to do. So I just don't think you're going to do Nola and Gray unless it's a two-year, you know, $30 million. Yeah, go ahead. I found it. So this is the projection. Again, this is the athletic Tim Britton. He's the one who had six six one eighty for Nola, which for I Sonny, agree with. Yeah, for Sonny Gray, he has three years, seventy two million. Yeah, I just wouldn't. I, I would not go near. You know, what's that? 24, 24 a year. Yeah. Uh, the years, are like okay, you know, but yeah. I just don't. I don't think that that fits with what the Phillies are are going to attempt to do here. I think that they're probably better off maintaining some flexibility and then probably playing at the trade deadline at that point and saying like, okay, if if you have Nola back, then I think you say maybe. Maybe we want to go out and one, add one more big arm to this thing and, and then kind of react once the season gets into its flow. But if you do that, you're probably also already conceding, like, we aren't winning this division again, which they seem to be comfortable with. Yeah, although although Dombrowski did talk about needing to be get off to a better start. They yeah. can't put themselves behind the eight ball like they have the last two seasons. So. Yeah. Um, the other bit of news, and this is one that maybe not as many people know about, um, and maybe they will over the course of the next day or two as it, as it makes its way down here to the Philadelphia market, but Scott Boris went on to the New York Post's podcast, The Show, which is hosted by uh, John Heyman and uh, is it who else? I forget who else does the, the thing, but it's John Heyman's podcast. Um, and said that, you know, he had mentioned to Harper, uh, Bryce Harper, six different times during his initial contract negotiation with the Phillies that he shouldn't abandon the out clause because it's not what he says, quote, the economic way to do this. Um, Turns out it proved to be team-friendly. It allowed the Phillies to go out and bring in other big-name players, and Harper could recruit them. But he did indicate um, on that podcast as well that uh, maybe it's time that uh, right now is time for an extension for Bryce Harper. He's got eight years left on his contract, Bob. Hmm. 
<laughs> Excuse me as I sneeze. Uh, do do you consider that now? I mean, and we did we uh, let me point out because you've been really good at this. You've pointed this out several times during the year about how many times Bryce has talked about how long he wants to play baseball. And it's not and it's always beyond this contract. So he said it several times during this year. Has he already been angling for this for a while now? I mean, this season, I, it's multiple times I've been standing in the room where he's pointed out that, hey, you know, I would li- I'd love to even sign another contract beyond this one. Um, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not. This is not verbatim, but essentially saying, like, yeah, it would, it would really be great. I love this city so much. I love this team so much. I love this organization so much. Phillies, Phillies, Phillies. I'd also – and he just slips in. You know, i also like to, to, to sign another deal here maybe. I'd like to play into my 40. Well, guess what? Like right now, Bryce Harper has eight more years on his deal. He signed through 2031, and that is his age 38 season. So that stops him short of playing into his 40s, and I don't think that he wants to go anywhere else. I think he's sincere when he says that he wants to stay in Philadelphia. I believe he loves it here. I also believe that he wants a contract extension. So I do not think that this is the case of Scott Boris, and that there's a lot of people that are going to listen to these comments and read these comments. And they're going to say, ah, this is just Scott Boris being Scott Boris. He's probably going rogue, just stomping around, trying to get a little cup, uh, you know, some extra cash for his player. I don't think that's what this is. I think that this, Bryce Harper was very calculated and laying the groundwork for, yo, I know I did a team-friendly deal. Maybe a couple extra bucks on the back end of this thing for another two or three years would be would be all right because I did that. Yeah, um, and I think that the timing of everything, I think the Phillies probably know this because – John Middleton brought in, and I forget his name, and I apologize, but the new partner yeah. who's willing to spend money. Um, I, I think that he recognized that there was Stanley be, Middleman. That's his Middleman. Stanley yeah. Middleman. I, I knew that they they know that there's going to be more big money that needs to be spent in yeah. order to pursue this thing and get this thing right. Um, and I think that that's part of it. I think they needed some more money, and and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Harper got an extension. Yeah. Of a few years beyond the eight years he currently has with the Phillies. Will it happen this offseason? I don't know. They have some time to figure it out. But I do think that there's, if you're Bryce Harper or Scott Boris, that you're that camp, I think you start to lay the groundwork for this is something we're going to ask for. So you want to do it now, great. You want to do it next offseason, great. But sooner than later, we want this done because he's delivered. He's put you on the brink of a World Series. The only thing he hasn't done so far is won a World Series. It's been very noted that he's gone out and he's recruited players to make this franchise better. Uh, He's been an ambassador for the franchise, things that you would expect him to do. I'm not sitting here telling you that the Phillies must give Bryce Harper more money or, you know, uh, give him an extension or rework anything. They don't have to do that, but in some ways I think they kind of do. Um, You know, and I, I don't know when it happens, but yeah, I think that that's coming down the line here. And to your point, bringing in an additional owner and needing to spend to keep this thing rolling, uh, I think is absolutely going to be the case because when you look up at the National League East, we can laugh at the Mets. We always do. But there's going to be big money thrown into that thing. And from an organizational standpoint, you bring in the, you know, the guy from Milwaukee, it just you feel like at some point the Mets are going to get on a run here where they're pretty good. And we already know what the Braves are. So like you're going to have to continue to throw big dollars at this thing if you want to compete in October. I agree. Hey, I know we have to run, cut it short. This is my fault today. I'm the one who has the uh, something else going. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. But I do have one last thing that I wanted to throw at you, Bob. 
Uh, I don't know if you saw the story about the San Diego Padres. Yeah. Who had to borrow $50 million to pay their salaries. And it's, it, and some people were saying, oh, no big deal. Teams do this all the time. They can, you know, they're, they're allowed. But they didn't borrow on the owner. They borrowed on the team's name. Mm-hmm. And that's where I find it really curious because the Padres had this big spike in attendance. They had, like, they averaged 3,500 more people this year than last year, obviously coming off the NLCS berth. I think they were second in overall attendance or, or third in overall attendance behind the Dodgers and uh, and I think the Yankees are the only other team that had more more total people that attended games. Um, and they had they made a big deal about going out and signing all those big name players, right? You know, Bogarts and Machado and and Soto and and everything. And there's been a lot of rumor that you know Juan Soto is going to be moved out of there because you know of finances. How do you get into that situation? Do they they I think they gambled, Bob. And tell me if I'm wrong. I think they gambled on. We're going to pay all this money. We're going to pay all these salaries, but we're going to get the pl- extra money out of playoff revenue. And then they didn't make it. Yeah. And that's why they had to borrow in September. They had to borrow fifty million dollars because it, it became apparent to them that, oh shit, we're not going to have the money to pay these guys. That's crazy to me, right? It's time to bring Manny Machado home. You can have Juan Soto. Bring <laughs> home Manny. <laughs> uh. I mean, yeah, listen, I mean, it's, if you're a Padres fan, that's very startling. Uh, I would not feel good about that, and I don't think that the Padres are going to be able to continue to swim in the in the big boy waters if, if this is the news that you're going to get out of it. So uh, that's that's certainly alarming. That's hard to imagine that Juan Soto is there long-term in light of this. I know that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I know, that they, I know that they got a lot of grief, Bob, about being, you know, a small market team who's spending big money because a lot of the other small market teams are like, what are you doing? You make us look bad. Yeah. Um, but I think that this is the this is the comeuppance for it. Like yeah. you know, like hey, you take a big swing, you better you better make contact because if you miss, oh boy. And I think that this is an oh boy for the San Diego Padres. Sure, sounds like it. All right, well, we'll be back. Uh, I guess we'll we'll be back later next week because we're gonna have some things to react to here. Yep. Um, and there are a couple things that we didn't even get to uh, yeah. in this show that I, I definitely want to talk about. So we will uh, absolutely be back uh, later next week with another episode. For Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel. Thanks for tuning in to Cross Up. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at Philly. Follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. Make sure that you're checking out uh, this show everywhere that you get your podcasts. And we'll talk to you soon.